Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. She's flown from Los Angeles via New Jersey and now at the TPC River Highlands outside Hartford, Connecticut. We've got her in a back-to-back podcast from WFAN New York All Sports Radio and Talking Golf, Anne Ligori. Good morning. Hey, Allie, thanks for having me on your show again. You forgot to mention I made a stop in West Hampton, New York, to visit my dog. <laughs> and uh, then picked up a Gracie Award at Cipriani's in Manhattan, which I'm really um, proud to say. So um, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks. It's been a crazy last couple of months since April. It seems like nonstop travel and uh you know, there's a lot going on in the men's and women's games, to say the least. There sure is. Well, well, first, uh, let me not step over that. A Gracie Award, can you explain? Yeah, the Gracies, um, they have a category now for um, sports broadcasting. And um, it's um, an awards competition that is put on by the Alliance for Women in Media. And I honestly don't know how I heard about it, other than it's been around for a very long time and it has a great reputation. So I entered a show that um, aired last year on Talking Golf with Anne Ligori on WFAN, um, in which I was interviewing uh, Christine Brennan of USA Today about the uh, war between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. And the awards recognize women in media. And that's the show that I entered. And it won. <laughs> so awesome. I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled, A, that obviously I'm thrilled I, I won. But I think more importantly, it's just wonderful, as you know, being a woman in this business. It's great that there is an awards category for women in sports broadcasting. So um, it was great. Uh, the whole station, Odyssey, was represented at the uh, luncheon. And uh, they had a lot of people at Cipriani's, which is a great place on 42nd Street in Manhattan. It used to be a bank. It's this gorgeous, um, uh, huge banquet room. And uh, and so I stopped there on the way out to the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. So it's been a great week so far. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations. So first, just as your, your brief uh, recap and takeaways from, from the U.S. Open, what uh, a thrilling finish of for the major and for the first time host at L.A. Country Club. Uh, Just a fantastic finish. Uh, Wyndham getting it done. Uh, Rory, unfortunately, a bridesmaid again. But uh, what what were your uh, thoughts? Well, I I was so happy for Wyndham Clark. I think he played fearless golf. He was so confident and just didn't stray away from his own game plan. you know, obviously his first major title, he had just won at the Wells Fargo in May, and it was just great to see him go out there and, and stick to his game plan and be aggressive and and not to let the pressure of the final round of the U.S. Open get to him with such star power behind him. I just think that speaks a lot to where he is in his game from a mental standpoint, and obviously he's so talented. And um, he was just... I love this story. His mother had cancer, passed away, uh, which is so sad. And he just felt her presence. He kept saying over and over again during the tournament the whole week. Um, and he said he was—he just felt her. And he was. she used to live in Los Angeles. 
and people that knew her kept coming up to him and saying, hey, I knew your mother, and kind of shared stories about her from her Los Angeles days, and I think that really lifted him, and his, his sister was there, and his father was there. His and, brother. Uh, and his brother. And Girlfriend, all, all, exactly. crying, all crying on the green on 18. You just, you just love these stories. Yeah, and it seems it never fails. We always have just such heartwarming, compelling stories in golf, uh, whether you're covering the Masters or a PGA Tour event or an LPGA Tour event or a U.S. Open or whatever you're, you're covering in golf. We, you know, it's all about the people. It's all about human nature. And golf is such a difficult, difficult sport. It tests you eternally, mentally, right, and physically. And uh, it was just a great – this was a very compelling story as well. And uh, obviously there's side stories. You know, Rory didn't get it done. It's been nine years since Rory's won – a uh, major title and you know what's going on with uh, uh, Scotty Scheffler and his putting I mean there's so many sidebars right these are the greatest players in the game and yet they struggle day to day with so many different things um, on and off the course so it just teaches you a lot about human nature and and I just think the stories were so compelling not only the winner but you know, the guys that were trying to do amazing things and, and fell just short. Uh, and Ricky Fowler, so great to see him back in the mix. Uh, unfortunately, his worst day happened on Sunday. He said, you know, his timing got a little quick. But speaking of on and off the golf course, uh, I listened to an interview with Golf Channel yesterday. He said uh, they, you know, took a cross-country flight uh, from uh, L.A. Sunday night, and his, uh, his little girl and wife were on the plane, and she didn't sleep a wink the whole night, and so that, his little girl, and you really get a peek into, as, as he said, you know, that's, that's life, both on and off the golf course for these players. Yeah, I mean, Ricky Fowler, I mean, that's 62 on Thursday, along with Sandra Shoffley, it was just incredible record-breaking 62 in the opening round of the U.S. Open. And, and he just looks so focused and so zeroed in all week. But then on Sunday, I just noticed, you know, a glitch in that armor. It was it was strange. He just didn't play up to uh, the first three days. Um, but I'm just glad to see that he's back. He went through a slump for so many years, reconnected with Coach Butch Harmon, I think his ranking dropped to like 185 in the world at one point. He missed the Open last year. It, it that's had, right. had to wait all day as an alternate. Thinking, that's right. Was, I think he was the first alternate, and he did not get in. So, I mean, to go from where he was years ago to struggling for so many years uh, and then not even getting into the U.S. Open last year and then playing so well at L.A. Country Club when so many top players didn't even make the cut. Right. I just think it was wonderful to see Ricky play so well. And, and still, every day, no matter how he played, even after that disappointing loss on Sunday, he signed autographs and interacted with the young people there at L.A. Country Club. And it was great to see. The guy's a truly good person, and there's uh, no question he's one of the most popular players on the tour. And, and it's obvious why. He just spends a lot of time interacting with fans, and he has a lot of friends on the tour. Yeah, and that's how you grow the game, right? And uh, Xander Shoffley was in the mix, fell short. 
and he is defending this week at the Travelers. Uh, if people remember, it was quite a thrilling finish last year after coming off a good U.S. Open. Uh, can he go back to back? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, he had that great opening round, 62, and you figured it's Xander's time. He's another one. He's never won a major championship, and it could it be Xander's time at the U.S. Open, but he just wasn't consistent. He couldn't get it done. He struggled. He was up and down. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays here at the Travelers. Uh, yeah, that was very exciting because I know he had the lead last year uh, going into, I guess, the final couple holes and lost the lead and then ended up winning it. So um, it's hard to win back-to-back tournaments, as you know. And uh, so far here at the Travelers, um, we have some really, really interesting um, action. Keegan Bradley had six birdies on the front. And last I looked, he was eight or nine under. He was he had it was six under when he made the turn. And I went out on the 18th green. He started on the back, and there was a really tender moment that I captured uh, with my uh, phone, where he took a minute before he tried to make a birdie putt on 18. And his wife and a little boy Logan were right there off the uh, green on the 18th hole. And so he went over there and gave his son a huge hug. And I'm sure you'll see that on all the highlights tonight. Oh, before <laughs> he made the putt? Before I, he made the putt? Well, unfortunately, yeah, before he went to uh, try to make another birdie on 18. But unfortunately, he missed the long birdie putt. The, the ball went, it, it was a downhill line. It passed the cup. And he made the short par putt coming back. But he made the turn at six under. And uh, as far as I know, he's still ahead here in the early going at the Travelers Championship. So it was good to see that he... You know, he's playing with a lot. He loves his tournament. He's uh, the local favorite. He grew up in the Northeast. And it's great to see him just smiling all the time. And, you know, he loves his golf course. He makes a lot of birdies. His uh, best finish here was in 2019. He was t- tied for second. So he hasn't quite pulled off a win here yet. But, um, boy, the galleries love him. They all come out to support him. They want to see him win. So what a great start so far for Keegan Bradley. Yeah, it's a it's a just a great great tournament, and it is now a designated event. So you know it's it's loaded the leaderboard with uh, the best of the best. Wyndham Clark is playing Max Homa, uh, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Hovland, Rory. I mean, you know, all of them are are playing. JT, wow, what a struggle last week. He said it's a you know it's a funny game, and um, you know. Some days it's great, and some days it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately for Justin Thomas, he's been struggling now for um, a couple months, and he's not happy about it. He said after the U.S. Open when he missed a cut, I think it was, what, plus seven? He said he, he was both humiliated and embarrassed. So, um, you know, he's not happy. Hopefully he can kind of turn it around this week at the Travelers and feel better about his game. He did say, hey, when I win the Open Championship, nobody will remember how I struggled at the U.S. Open. So right. you, have to, you have to love the way these guys think. They have to think like that, right, to yeah. get through the, uh, the tough times as well. Yeah, many, many more uh, uh, failures uh, in tournaments than wins. And as they always say, it's just it's, it's razor thin, and you have to get in that position on Sunday. Uh, typically, there's a player meeting during the Travelers Championship, and did that take place despite Jay Monahan being, uh, you know, currently MIA with this medical situation? 
Yeah, apparently it did happen uh, Tuesday night here in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and really nothing was, <laughs> no news really came out of it from what I read. Uh, there's still a lot that has not been answered. Um, apparently the two gentlemen who have taken over for Jay um, were at that meeting. And um, and that's all they know, basically. Um, there's really not much to report on that end. So I think the questions are still out there, Holly. And uh, honestly, it's disappointing how poorly this whole situation has been handled. I, I just can't believe how correlated to Minneapolis, but you and I talked about that last week. Yes, and there's a huge event going on for the LPGA, their second major, the KPMG PGA Championship, which is happening at an iconic course, Baltistral, and I know you were there as well, Anne. Yeah, I was there yesterday. Uh, Baltistral, as you know, historic uh, tilling hat design that was refurbished by Gil Hans a number of years ago. It's just always a treat to go to Baltusrol because you feel like you're walking into golf history there. <laughs> Not only in the clubhouse with all the beautiful memorabilia they have, um, but also the golf courses. I had a chance to walk with Madeline Sakestrom her first couple holes. She's a fellow IB Cool apparel ambassador, so I've got to know uh, Madeline quite well. And um, boy, that course is going to play tough. The rough is brutal, uh, narrow fairways, lots of obstacles, fescue and bunkers. And But, hey, it's uh, going to be a really great test for these women. And I was so delighted to see how many fans came out for the practice day uh, Wednesday. I was only there yesterday, but um, there are a lot of people there. There's a lot of interest in this major. And uh, Seth Waugh was on hand to present a check to PGA Hope which was great, and they opened it up for questions in a press conference. And, of course, I think I was the last one asking the question because I was waiting for somebody else to ask the question, and nobody did. But I asked Seth Waugh, the head of PGA of America, I said, you're a leader in the game. I have to ask you about the merger, what your thoughts are, and how you feel it could impact the PGA. And uh, he was very happy to answer the question because I think, as you and I spoke about earlier, there has to be an education process that – the PGA Tour is not the PGA of America. And Seth said, sadly, we've been, he said, our brand has been dragged into it because people don't totally understand the difference between the, the two of us, the PGA Tour and the PGA of America. And he said, I don't think it is a merger, which, you know, all of this was so misleading when the, when the news first came out because of Chiron's on CNBC and, and other major news stations that... They used that, the wrong... Flag, not the PGA right. Tour, the PGA right. of America. <laughs> they used, not only did they say merger, and it, I guess it's more of a partnership, I don't know, you know, whatever, however you want to, uh, it's all semantics, but, um, and it's not a partnership with um, Live Golf. It's basically the way they explained it, the PGA Tour explained it afterwards, was it's a partnership between PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, which invest in live bomb. But yes, as far as uh, PJ Tour and PJ of America, a lot of people don't know the difference. And so when you see Chiron's on a network news show uh, that says PGA, then of course there's going to be a problem, a brand problem for the PGA. You Big know, time. Big time. It's, it's unfortunate because the PJ of America has to basically, you know, 
explain and educate to people that you know, the PGA of America is made up of what thirty thousand PGA professionals, instructors, and club professionals. Players, club professionals, correct, and it has nothing to do with the PGA Tour. However, you see Seth Waugh and Jay Monahan, Jay Monahan being the uh, commissioner of the PGA Tour. You see that together a lot. And I just thought, certainly, Seth has to have an opinion on this. So I had to ask him the question. And uh, he said he's hopeful um, that uh, it will all be sorted out. He knows about as, he says he knows about as little as everybody else. Um, he says, obviously, it's created an enormous amount of conversation and angst and confusion. And we're, we're a bit a part of that confusion, trying to sort through it all. He says, I don't think there's any direct effect on us, meaning PJ specific to this. He says, certainly the war had some implications of competing against a business model that wasn't a business model. He called it a war, which I thought was interesting. And we have to do that, too. And we will see how it all plays out. So he didn't think that the PJ Tour's economic plan going forward was sustainable. And as a businessman, he would know that. Right. <laughs> so and and a finance talking, guy. <laughs> exactly. So we've been talking about, you know, that PJ Tour business model for uh, a while now. And and it couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. And um, obviously that was one of the key reasons why you would think Jay met with, you know, the public investment fund uh, governor and made this deal. But... What's come out of it? And it's anybody's guess at this point, which I find just incredibly uh, surprising that there's been no more information on it. I wrote a story after the PGA Championship and that addressed this publicity problem with the PGA. And this was before the PGA Tour thing was all announced. And I said at the time that I thought the PGA should be giving. Michael Block, another half a million dollars just for all the publicity he drove for the PG of America. And if ever there was a time that people might have had a better understanding of what the PG of America was, given what a Cinderella story he was for all the 30,000 club professionals across the country, they, they really got such a great boost from that and then had this dropped in their lap. Exactly. It's too bad because PGA does really good work. And, um, you know, they've always been transparent. They've always kind of uh, put everything out there. And it's, it, it, there are a lot of feel-good stories. Um, so, yeah, it's too bad they have to fight this. Um, and it's Seth, as a leader of the PGA of America, meets with the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, the USGA, the RNA all the time. So, um yeah, I'm really surprised that, um, you know, there's, there's been nothing more said about what's going on with PGA Tour and with this partnership. But it is separate from the PGA. And Seth said, hey, it's it's their uh, issue. You know, it shouldn't be. It's their news story, basically, he said. It's um, not the PGA's news story. This relatively new women's major, the PGA Championship, has some great stories developing and just want your thoughts on Rose Yang, the superstar from Stanford who, you know, came out and right out of the blocks won her first tournament 
And I mean, that is so groundbreaking on so many levels. Yeah, I mean, this woman is so impressive. She, if, if she's going to be a superstar on the LPGA. She really is. I mean, she's, she's so composed. After she won the Mizuho America's Open at Liberty Golf Course in Jersey City, New Jersey, she had to go back to Stanford and take final exams. Crazy. <laughs> and, and somebody asked her in yesterday's press conference, you know, what was that like? How could you focus on that and study? And she goes, honestly, she said, uh, I think she said some computer theory class uh, exam was really, really tough. And she, all she really wanted to do was pass because she just, you know, was, oh. she's a professional player now. She doesn't have to worry about, right. you know, a college courses anymore. She just wants to pass. So um, what she's been able to do is her media requests for her time have been unbelievable. She has no time. And when I asked her what's been the biggest adjustment just in these last couple of weeks since she's been professional, since she won the first LPGA tour event as a professional, she said she hasn't had enough time to really grind it out on practice range and, and, and practice a lot without a lot of distractions. So it's going to be interesting to see how she does this week in her first major as a professional. She's played in majors before, Holly, as you know, as an amateur. And she's, so she kind of understands the pressure a, a bit and, and how much grander playing in major championships are from obviously her college tournaments and her U.S. amateur experiences. But now that she, she, you know, she's been playing a lot, she's had exams in college, she's back now playing at this major championship as a pro, all the attention's on her. Everybody wants something from her. Everybody wants a minute of her time. And she admitted to me that she thinks that her practice time basically has been uh, affected because of all the demands on her time. So let's see how she can handle everything and if she can still focus. She understands how difficult ball control is, how she has to be playing her best. I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, if she can play her best this week at a major championship on such a tough golf course um, while all this other stuff's been happening to her. It's been overwhelming, but she's handled it so well, and I just think she's such an impressive young lady. Yeah, and I think we've been uh, waiting for a superstar on the LPGA Tour that we we can get behind. Uh, so it's, it's so exciting. And, you know, they're playing – uh, Baltistral, then they're going to play the U.S. Open uh, at Pebble Beach, and I mean, they're getting to play now, the women, the best of the best courses to really shine. They should. I mean, there should never be any doubt what golf courses these women should play. Hey, you know, I mean, of course they should be playing Baltistral. Of course they should play be playing Pebble Beach. And, you know, I'm a little concerned they're playing Pebble Beach 4th of July week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but look, I guess you have to walk before you run. And the key thing is they're playing these great venues, championship historic venues that the men have always played. And if you look at the future schedule, it continues uh, uh, at some of the top courses in the country. So that's, that's a good trend for the women. And the purses are up. Molly Marco Salmon, uh, the commissioner, say they're up nearly 50% since 2021. Uh, all things seem to be very bright for the LPGA. Yeah, it's very, very bright, and it continues to progress. 
and we have to smile. I mean, obviously, a lot of the women think there's a long way to go. There's certainly the prize money is not equal to the men's, but um, we have to kind of embrace the improvements and then continue to work on more improvements. Um, I'm happy. I mean, you and I know what it was like for the women 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have a lot to compare it to. So I guess we can be very thankful that it has come a long way, baby, to quote a famous slogan back in the day. Absolutely. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on my show. Award-winning broadcaster, congratulations on that, Gracie. That's fantastic. And you bring us all along and step-by-step. Step, I appreciate your time so much. The one, the only, as I love to say, Anne Ligori. Thanks so much.